boy. It's a good way to open. This, yeah, we're ready. <laughs> I'm actually kind of fine with that being our opening because I had no idea what to say for it. Like, how do you open an episode like this? For it? For it. Is your refrigerator running? Aha! 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 Goodness. Oh, boy. So here we are at After the Hype coming to you this week talking about the made-for-TV movie It. Oh, boy. Boy. <sighs> Boy, oh boy, oh boy. You can tell we're really, really hot on this one. Uh, well, I, I had no nostalgia for it, really. I, I did. I saw it when I was a kid. I yeah. did too. After I just knew that it existed, I didn't, I think I might have seen parts of it, but you know, with my ADD, I didn't, I wasn't going to sit down and watch a whole thing of it. Nor should you. I remember the kid with his hair turning white and the camera panning around his face. That's, I, once I saw that scene, I'm like, oh, that's from this. <laughs> That's all you got? You didn't remember, like, you didn't just see all the, like, the Georgie scene in the beginning? No. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're very excited to talk about it. Obviously, with the movie It Chapter 2, It Ends, or whatever the hell they're calling it, coming out tomorrow, we thought it'd be a good idea to dive back, go to the original with Mr. Tim Curry and uh, a whole bunch of other people. But we'll talk <laughs> more about that in a minute, because first we're going to do a Where Have You Been Doing? I have been playing Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, I don't really know what else to say other than I've been playing it. It's such a different experience from every other Assassin's Creed game. It's kind of insane. Like, it, they stripped everything away. It's not really like anything I expected. Like, yes, you can still do like the silent stab kill, but that's about it. Like, you can't. Okay. Free running is essentially gone. Like, you can see where they tried to keep it in, but it's felt more like an afterthought as opposed to like a crux of the game, like it used to be. Um, now it's basically like, yeah, you can, like, you'll still have like the, the cart tipped over with like a white sheet hung over it. So, you know, there's a path there, but it's, it's rare. Hmm. Um, and it's fine. Like the story is fine. The, the gameplay is fine. I I've been enjoying it. It really locks you into side missions, which I hate. I hate it when a game does that. If your game's good, I'll play the side missions. If it's not, right. I'll skip them. But when you level lock me out of main story missions and I have to play side missions to grind up, then I'm grinding. Oh, sort of like in Black Flag, where yep. at a certain point you have to really grind out the upgrades to your ship before you can go to the next story mission. Yep. And it's like, wow, I was. Uh, there's more ship stuff? I was done after yep. this. I, I was enjoying the game until you forced me to play it. When it was still my decision to <laughs> play it, it was great. When you were telling me I have to, I take issue with that, Assassin's Creed. Uh, yeah. And Nick has warned me that Odyssey does it even worse. <sighs> That's cool. It's good that games value your time. I know. And like the thing is, I really want to play Odyssey. Like I've been wanting to play that game for a long time, but I, yeah. I'm i a completionist and I feel like I have to play Origins first. And to its credit, it's a good game. I just wish it was a little better. You don't never sound happy about it. But I have fun when I'm playing it. Mm. But yeah. either way, Catherine, the remake is coming out this week. So Origins going to be sat back down for a little while while I go back into Catherine. That's it for me. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I started watching Carnival Row. Ooh. I've got through the first two episodes. And uh, so far, so good. I like I like it. I like the setting. The world feels cool. There's all sorts of like fairy and other fantasy creatures told in this original like somewhat original story. It's not really based on anything that I can that I can tell. It's from the writer of Pacific Rim. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's really cool. It's cool to see Orlando Bloom. And, uh, yeah. How much sexy time is in the first two episodes? Because uh, it, it kind of looked like a show that was going to end up having a lot of sexy time. 
I've had to make sure that no one was walking by every now and then while I'm watching it while I do some graphic work. Yeah. So, yeah. So There's quite a bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> the sexy time. I mean, you got a hot supermodel and you got Legolas. And she's an actor. I mean, yeah, yeah she is also I know, a supermodel. But, and but... he's not Legolas anymore either. But That's these are the true, sexy yeah. tropes that they are. Yeah. yeah. And, and they really sexy up the fairy, the fairies. Oh, I'm sure they always sexy up the fae. Yeah, there's always. like there's like one scene where uh, she's having sex with a guy, and then like they both raise in the air as she with the power, of, like she's holding him with her legs and is able to lift him up, and they both orgasm. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and then her wings like flutter so fast the candle uh, the, the candlelight and that bursts out. wasn't the scene that he had to hide while at work. No. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me question so much more when my dad told me I had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad likes the sexy time. <laughs> Chewy, where have you been doing? <laughs> Moving ever so quickly along. All right. On a not sexy time note, um, I actually read Are you going to describe a trailer? I was going to do that on the next episode. Oh, okay. Uh, um, because there wasn't as many... I mean, there was one good trailer, but I'll like it next episode. Um I read an article on Vox.com called How 80s Hollywood and Ronald Reagan Fueled Each Other and Paved the Way for Trump, written by Alyssa Wilkinson while she is interviewing film critic Jay Hoberman. I know Jay Hoberman. Not personally, but I've read his stuff. Yeah. Uh, And I highly recommend it. It is a very good read. It's kind of a catchy catchy title. They do get to that whole thing with Reagan and uh, the right-wing... evangelist stuff but it takes a while uh and just one interesting point that they make is about nostalgia in america and how he in because this is about a book that he wrote and in the book he breaks down the nostalgia of the 80s or the late 70s and in the 80s when they're having all this like you know downtrodden feelings about america because of vietnam and at that point everyone was feeling very nostalgic for the 50s you know, when America mm. was great or whatever before the, you know, they actually had that term. And now he's talking about the current nostalgia that we're suffering from in America. And he feels like it's not really a nostalgia for actual America. It's a nostalgia for what Hollywood used to be. That's why we do so much of the pop culture stuff and not really the much of the history stuff. You should see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, he actually mentions that because <laughs> he talks about how there's no uh, like legitimate cultural moments in film anymore. He thinks that the last legitimate cultural moment in film happened with uh, the, t- oh, I forgot the name of it, The tempt- Last Temptation of Christ came out in 1989. The Scorsese movie. Scorsese movie. Because yeah. uh, that's the first time evangelists came out in mass and protested a movie and how Reagan used that to bolster his numbers and stuff politically. Because Reagan, like Trump, is was not actually a very religious person, but he was able to work with those religious people to get their votes and stuff. Um, he breaks down all of that, and then he cites the closest that we've got recently at having a movie that people can actually talk about is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because he says things like the Marvel movies and what are just events. No one really has anything to talk about with those. Check out our Endgame episode where I agree with this person and say <laughs> we're no longer talking about Marvel yeah. movies. <laughs> but I just highly recommend it. It's like, it's a it's an interview style article, so it's a back and forth. And I just thought it was really engrossing and kind of wanted to pick up the guy's book afterwards. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Again, uh, it's on Vox.com by Alyssa Wilkinson. 
uh, we should link to it on our website yeah. as well. Hopefully, I remember to do that. Yeah. I think every time I've said I will link to it, I've forgotten. So <laughs> maybe this time I won't. Well, I'll try to find either of you guys when it comes time to posting the show the, notes. Chewy. Find Chewy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all of us, right? Time to start talking some 1990s? Was it 90? Uh, let's see. I have it up. 1990? Uh, yeah, 1990. 1990, yeah. that's right. Made for TV movie. It. <laughs> so it made no money because it's made for TV movie. So it made advertising money. Yeah. I'm TV. sure it made a shitload of that. Um, it's made even more money in VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K re-releases because people keep buying this fucking thing. Um <laughs> was later remade into a movie that got a sequel that encompasses the whole of what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have never seen this movie and you have not, and you're really looking forward to it chapter two coming out tomorrow, there will be spoilers in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's in chapter two. I don't know what's the same and what's different, but I'm guessing some things will be similar uh, enough to spoil that movie. Had you, if you're trying to go in blind and the context of our discussion since Brian, you and I have read the book. Yeah. Will also encompass a lot of spoiler territory too. So no matter what plot points are going to be covered that are probably going to be in chapter two. Yeah. And Chewie might not have read the book, but she's with me when I was reading it and I don't shut up about things I'm reading. So I'm sure she knows. <laughs> well, you I'd left say, out spouses. I never even knew that that's they had true. spouses. Yeah, I, I did forget to mention spouses, which aren't really in the movie much, but it's fine. Um, I just wonder if there's going to be as much face touching of Bev in the next movie. God, I hope not. All right, let's move into. <laughs> we'll do a very quick recap just, of what this Bev, movie is. How are you? Imagine me just scrotering your face. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it just kind of you just want to facepalm somebody. Just like that's <laughs> that's so good to feel you, see you. Um, oh, man, this movie would be great with real life. Uh, God, such fucking face touching in both of these goddamn movies. Yep. Anyhow, so it uh, it's I'll, I'll try to rattle through it as quick as we can. There is a supernatural being that likes to eat scared children. Specifically, they taste better when they're scared, so he tries to scare them. Um, he tries to scare a group of seven kids. It doesn't go so well. They fight back against him. Uh, they shoot him with uh, with a silver earrings. Silver earrings. That's right, and a little bit of a what is it called? Um, oh inhaler inhaler uh blast him in the face with a little bit of that calls a battery acid uh the thing almost dies but then they decide to let it suffer and die instead of going and putting about its misery for whatever reason that was um so it didn't die 20 30 years later is it 30 uh yeah 30 yeah 30 years later it comes back of course it did so the adults have to come back finish it off once and for all uh they do that they do the exact same thing again the ritual of truth happens of is it chewed? I always call it chewed, like C H E W E D. In the book or the audiobook, the actor was saying chud. Chud. Okay, so the uh, ritual of chud happens. They don't explain fucking any of it, but it happens. We yeah. see it happen. And if yeah. you read the book, you know what's happening. They win. Uh, the Pennywise, the crazy being, tries to run away and hide and heal again like he did last time, but the <laughs> adults don't let that happen. They fall him down to the hole kick the shit out of him until he dies yeah. and then they'll live happily ever after and that's pretty much all of it right yeah and they pull out in the, in the movie they pull out his heart or whatever that thing is like and they, they raise it up like a tribal style <laughs> they go <laughs> full lord of the flies the, the end. end of this movie is just weird <laughs> since she had never seen it and she didn't i never fully explained the ending of the book to her where essentially the same thing happens yeah, uh, so they start following in the hallway and just go, yeah, kick his ass. And she's like, is that what happens? I'm like, yeah, they just kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> they give him some street justice. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
well, this guy really didn't have much up his sleeve. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm going to put on... He's basically Mysterio. It's like, it's like all <laughs> this crazy shit shiny, happening yeah. at you. It's so scary. If you get past it, oh, I'm just kind of a big spider. Oh, stop kicking me. And his exoskeleton apparently is not that hard. Essentially just Legos. Yeah. <laughs> you just start ripping them apart. And I'm like, ooh, are you going to start eating him while I'm watching that? They didn't. But no. They could have. They could have. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, uh, I, I feel like that's kind of the best place to start with this thing. Because I mean, there, there's so many things that we'll talk about as we move through this episode uh, as quickly as we can. Because I don't want to keep you here as long as it took us to watch the fucking thing. Um, but the ending is usually the most controversial. Even Tim Curry famously said when the, the new It came out a few years back, he was doing a press circuit, which I think he can still talk because he could then. He got Yeah, he got He's a lot better. Yeah, he, he's looking great. And it's always nice to see him, especially after he had gotten so ill. Um, but he was talking about it. It's like, yeah, you know, I was really happy with the work I did in that. But I, I feel like ours just kind of fell apart at the end. There was a big rubber spider thing, and I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Yeah, he's kind of right. If you yeah. were into this movie and you were along for the ride and enjoying the the scares that they are, if it's the type of thing that scares you, I think it's cheesy as hell. Um, I, I don't know anyone who got to that ending and went, I was horrified. It no, looked- and it, that's kind of the charm, the nostalgic charm for us when we watched sure. it in high school. It was like, yeah, this is scary and Tim Curry's great, but then it's going to get bad at the end and you're going to like, it's kind of sort of it, like the room. That sort of level of enjoyment. Oh, yeah. Where it's more like we're laughing at the movie because it's so dumb. Oh, my God. It just didn't really work for me the whole time. <laughs> no, I, I don't think the movie. I think it is. Uh, I, I think it's it's dead now. Like, <laughs> I don't okay. know how else to describe it. It's a movie that it's it's functionality at this point is done. There's no way for it to scare anyone. I don't think there's any way for it to scare a modern audience who has seen any sort of legitimate modern uh, film or TV culture. And the rest of it is not charming enough to really entertain. So I think as far as new audiences go, I think this movie's toast. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no way to watch this other than through nostalgic eyes. Yeah. Because when you get to the non-goofy scary parts that are goofy and can be kind of like they're kind of fun, but then everyone else has so little chemistry with each other. Oh, no. The kids don't have chemistry with each other. No. The adults certainly don't have and chemistry with each other. And they don't look anything. That was actually really bothering me. I know they didn't care. Obviously, they didn't care. But they do not look like each other. The adults oh, yeah. and the kids. Seth Green and the adult who plays Richie, it's like... The only one whoa. that works is Bev. Like, she still she's doesn't close. look like... She's closer. Yeah. They at least both have, like, the same chin. Yeah, okay. I could see that. But uh, that, that quote-unquote fat kid, I'm like, okay. You put him in a sweater. Yeah, uh, the, the Ben in this movie and is turning just, into John Ritter. Like, no, he's a little linebacker. Like, when that kid hits high school, he's gonna be a star football player. Yeah, like he is just built. He's to gonna go. have no problems. Like the right. the kid they got in the most recent movie, that's a big kid for sure. That's a yeah. big kid who could easily grow out of and his was, weight. That's exactly what Ben should be. Is the whole speech about I joined, I started running and joined track and smoked this uh, coach guy a real thing yep. in the book? That's, yeah, it's in the book. The, this this entire TV thing, which is the last thing I want to get to, uh, is so slave to the book, it's insane. Uh, I was uh, surprised watching it again. Yeah, like, me too. Having just read the book, I was like, oh, this is exactly like the book yeah and all the way up to where we started this conversation with the ending the ending is almost verbatim what happens in the book all the way up to the uh pennywise telling them like you think you can see me you can only see what your tiny little brain will allow you and the best thing the brain can come up with is a spider-esque shape yeah and that's how they kind of describe it in the book it's not huge like it is in the movie and they don't shoot it with a slingshot um (laughs) 
But like that, otherwise, it's pretty much the same. It turns into a big spider esque thing. It shites bright lights, at, bright lights at them. They have a mental war. They win the mental war. They kick the shit out of it, and it's over. Yeah, they don't really show the mental war. They just look like they're getting moon blinked. Yeah, because exactly. they're because they get out of it when she slingshots its belly. Yeah, right. and and in the book, that's the ritual of Chud, where you basically you let yourself get flashed. Uh, moon blinked uh and then you have a mental war where you basically like it, the way they describe it is that someone tries to bite your tongue you bite their tongue and you try to make the other one laugh and it's a really weird way to try to describe it it is and it, but it's it's weirdly compelling in the book when they do that yeah and especially when you see it in the book and i'm hoping they do it in the movie there's two parts in the trailer the first trailer i'm like that's the ritual right i don't know if i'm right but i think that's it um but it's this really just kind of really heady st- crazy thing um that involves a big space turtle that burps out universes and it's it's just kind of fun and nutty. there's and no turtle in this movie there's none of that in this movie it gets uh, very weirdly cosmical and yeah and i think that's what makes the ending in the book work but to then not include any of it or barely even hint at it just leaves you feeling like what yeah without that other level <laughs> it looks like moon blinking and slingshotting and that's <laughs> not exactly a great uh, ending in neither of the fights were compelling to me oh no again the- i have no nostalgia for this movie so i it had it was completely against me in that way and the entire time with the kids it just seemed like it wrapped itself up really fast oh yeah like the entire the in the god bless the little kids they're trying so hard jonathan brandis is acting the shit out of this movie like he is just trying so damn hard it's like they gave you nothing buddy like no. you're doing the best you can yeah Seth but, Green. Yeah, just say help and, me, help me over and over again in this scene. Okay. okay. Try to cry a little bit. And he tries. Yeah. He's really <sighs> trying. Anyhow, uh let's let's start talking uh kids and adults, uh, and then we'll save Pennywise and then we'll save the comparisons to the book for the very end. But uh let's start with the kids. It part one from a few years back. The the sickly or hypochondriac Eddie? kid, Eddie. You know, Eddie, right? Yeah. Um, not as sad yeah. as he seemed in the newest movie. He his his situation, I mean, wasn't great, but his mom didn't seem quite as overbearing, except when she <sighs> got mad at him for having friends. Yeah. Uh, I think the kid does a good job with it. I, I really like the scene um with the pharmacist that we didn't get in the remake. Because yeah. I love that sequence in the book. And then the uh actually having it in the movie I thought was really nice of so the pharmacist being like this could get me fired, but this kid is being lied to every day by his doctor and his mother, and I'm going to try to help. Yeah, it was replaced in the new movie with just a little kind snarky of, girl. Yeah, snarky girl. Yeah, which was fine. I mean, it makes yeah. sense too. It still worked, yeah. but it wasn't like it. You didn't have that sincerity that you got in both the book and the movie of this guy. Like, I'm just going to try to help, and then it starts to unpack a whole lot of things about his mother and his relationship with his mother mm-hmm. and his eventual wife. And this movie wasn't interested in going down that route. No, but it still gave us that one scene, and I still think that scene works. I think the the pharmacist sells it. I think the kid being afraid of an adult just handing him stuff still sells it. I think the whole scene yeah. really is yeah. a strong scene, and it works really well. Um, but that's really the only thing they give that kid. Like otherwise, yeah. the kids just kind of none in the of background. the kids get to shine in this movie. This movie, if they wanted to be as detailed to the books as they wanted to be, honestly, this should have been like six hours. Because yeah. I don't feel like i got to know any of them no it's I got really the weird closest with the adult version of mike right that's his name yeah. mm-hmm. ponytail no that's bill bill that's bill yeah. mike is the librarian mike is the librarian okay yeah. i feel like i got to know 
well, essentially Bill and Mike the most because they, yeah. they're the only one. They open the movie and they have a nice little montage they together bike on a bike. Montage, yeah. and, but then that bike thing ended up only being important because trying to get his wife to be cognizant again at the end. Yeah. And with that, it's just, yeah, I never felt anything for any of the characters, especially not the kids. See, I... I I attached myself to Bill as a kid, but I think that's just because he was the leader. Um, and then when I was younger and I saw this, I attached myself to Seth Green's character, but that's just because I like Seth Green. Watching this now older, I'm like, Seth Green has nothing yeah, to do Yeah, like I don't even understand why Seth Green's friends with any of them. No. That's the thing is when they're all together finally as the Losers Club, it doesn't make any sense why they'd be together. Yeah. No. There's no sense of like fate around them. They don't feel like they belong together as a group. They just feel like kids that the casting director happened to like the best yeah. out of the bunch. They looked good together. And yeah. that was it. And they did look good together. As if you're just going to looks alone, like the both the adult crew and the kid crew, when looking at them, like, oh, I could see these people being friends. They don't really have any chemistry when they start acting together. But the, no. the differences with uh, Seth Green's character, especially compared to the, the more recent movie, was they actually played with him being friends with Bev, which is a big part of the book and totally left out of the new movie. And I like that. I really like seeing the friendships that aren't just between like the main, like between some of the kids and Bill, which is what a lot of times it feels like it could go that way. Hmm. And this one, like when Seth Green shows up, he puts his arm around Bev and starts talking to Bev and nobody else. And it's like, oh, I kind of miss those little things. Yeah. And but by they're folks- so quick that if you blink, you miss it. It's gone. Yeah, it's not, none of it seems important. And, yeah. and by focusing on Bill, it also gives short shrift to the antagonists, the bullies. Yeah. Because their antagonism isn't exactly toward Bill. Bill is kind of the one who shepherds the other kids who have been bullied by, um, oh, what's his name? Henry Bowers. Henry Bowers and the other ones. like uh, he, Victor and Belch. Victor and Belch, yeah. So Bill doesn't really have those run-ins where every other kid does. And through those interactions with them, uh, that defines them and brings and them yeah. together. The Henry and the bullies in this particularly, they're even less uh, thought out. Yeah. They are just caricatures <sighs> down to their hair and their leather jackets. Oh, it's just... It, there's not they're not even allegories or archetypes they're just cliches and they don't like the I, I know we're gonna be comparing a lot to the new movies but like they, they don't even like <coughs> attempt to make him relatable like that was the thing with Henry like the Henry and the the new one you're watching going like oh I feel so bad for this kid like he's such a shit but I feel so bad for this kid yeah and no, they don't even try with that year. And it is, I mean it could be and they also the look like they were 25 in high <laughs> school a lot older yeah <laughs> Why are you picking on these kids? Dude, graduate. Yeah. I did like the one line with the teachers, like how many summers have I spent with you or how many years or something like that. Yeah. It just felt like very, very much shorthand, very, a lot of shorthand for these kids, these characters trying to tell us that this is all very nostalgic. Yeah. And it it feels like something that could have been handled had they done it more like the recent movie or if they'd span it over more nights. But if we just Uh try to chop it up into kids movie adult movie i think it might have been a better idea which is essentially what we've done with the new one which is not how the book is the book's more like this where it's kind of interwoven the whole way through and then about kind of near the end everything kind of ramps up and crescendos at the same time right whereas the movies try to use the kids fighting him as the end of chapter one and then the adults fighting at the end of chapter two whereas in the book that all happens in the same right because it would be kind of weird in the book to have those happen at two different times of the book two different climaxes sort of thing yeah um, but I think that'd be really hard to pull off even this way, like even as a made for TV movie. So I think they made the right choice. I just, I feel like if they're going to defend, def- 
chop them in half. I think they should have just fully chopped them in half. But especially yeah. for this version of it, this '90s version made for TV. Yeah. Or if they had if they had the full set time to use for the kids for part one, I think they could have smoothed out some of that shorthand, some of the cliches and stereotypes. Yeah. And given more moments to breathe, which would have like, definitely helped Bev, uh, Stan, Mike, and all them. Ben. Yeah. Especially with that whole poetry thing, the the your hair is like summer fire, uh, yeah, January they, embers. That felt so forced in this, whereas yeah. it felt like meaningful in both the book and the new movie. Like this, it just felt weird. And, well, it uh, creates a, a, a triangle, like a love, like a weird, like a small love yeah. triangle between Bev and Ben and Bill. And just again, it left me not caring about the kids at all, because every time we saw them, it was a memory or a flashback. Yeah. Uh, so then to me, I'm always just waiting. We're like, all right, so we're going to get to the meat of the story once we're done with this. Yeah, and that's, again, like when you pace it out in the book where you have the, both the climaxes at the same time, you never have that feeling. And when you're doing in the movie where we just saw it before, where it's only the kids, you never have that like, all right, so this will be better later. Like it's yeah. just like, no, this is the story we're watching. Yeah. And it's kind of weird that it's kind of shook out that way. But if oh. the movie is essentially telling us the adults are the important part, what do we think of the adults? They were better. I mean, they're all better they were more seasoned actors. I'm not even talking about the quality of acting. I just mean like the if you had to just watch the kids part, the adult part, which one like would you choose the adult? If the movie's telling you the adults are the more important part in the meat of the story, you'd assume that'd be the entertaining part. And I, I No, I, I would I, mean, I would still I guess then I would be like if I could choose it, if I could switch it around, I would have chosen to have the kids be the meat of the story. Yeah. Cuz at least with that there's oh, I see what ground they're playing on. Yeah. In terms of the filmmaking here. So I can just coast with it. With the adults, there's no tether to anything without yeah. the kids. And that, that's where I think we run into the biggest problem of, of why I do not like this at all. Which is the major thing that I don't like about it is because of the pacing. Which is kind of like the, the thing in the rafters we're not talking about. But it's definitely there. Because that's really what we're mentioning here. But the I think the adults, everything with the adults in this movie is just so cheesy and hard to watch. And I just do not think the casting was right across the board. With the exception of John Ritter, who really, really tries his John best. John Ritter's here. the best actor in this movie. He is, for sure. Well, <laughs> well, Tim Curry. But or, but Tim Curry doesn't even really get to shine, We'll honestly. get to Tim Curry yeah. next. But what's interesting with um, uh, John Ritter is he also could have played... Uh, Richie. Richie. Yeah. Like, he could have played any of the other side adults just as well. Like, he was kind of the MP- MVP of the adult for sure. world. Uh, Except for when he's, his fashion is just atrocious. Because right. he's wearing a t-shirt under a button-up with a leather vest over that. And then later, another leather jacket on top of that. Yeah, it kind of looks like he warded John Denver's wardrobe. <clears throat> he's like, I want to... S- yeah. But the scene where uh, he he gets tricked by It, who pretends to be Bev, and he has that freak-out scene with her. There, there was actually a moment, a spark right there with his reaction, his acting, and the moment where it's like, okay, I... I I'm almost there with you guys. Yeah, yeah. He he almost sells it. And like I, I think the, the adults have some really good moments... But man, when they're all together, it's like, you guys have nothing to say to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the thing is, is the movie decided not to play with that cosmic nature, which is why the adults fit so well together. Like that whole cosmic thing of like when the adults see each other, like when they don't see each other, they forget each other. When they see each other, it's like they're kids again. You needed actors who can feel like children again. Because that's really what the joy of it is. Is like, oh, I've been living my own life solo. And like most of them are like borderline depressed, if not fully depressed. And when they see each other, 
all that melts away even under these horrible circumstances and that's why that dinner in the chinese restaurant is so much fun because they finally get to see each other their old jokes come back they start telling richie to beep beep again and like all that's great but in the in the movie that we watched it's a montage. It's a montage. It's a montage. There's a checklist. A checklist of things happening. Oh, some, they're going to eventually start saying beep beep. Yeah, and it just it does not feel organic <laughs> at all. And it's like it feels awkward. Like yeah. you, you set people a bunch of people up for a blind date. No, it, and it's it, not going well. Someone it, has has to pull the ripcord on this date. It feels like a high school reunion. Like that yeah. whole like oh we were friends right. It's right. it just really highlights. <laughs> it super highlights how at that point in history. They just didn't understand how to make these types of things. Yeah. Well, this is like, they a lot of times the movie of the week or their miniseries were like melodramas. They weren't yeah. horror things, at least that I remember. This was like a special event. That and this be really a horror kicked story. off a lot. It kicked off a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Yes. We can thank this for other things, but for itself, it just doesn't live up. And just especially like. Today, if we were going, if they were going to redo this as a TV show, it'd probably mm. be like American Horror Story type thing. Yeah, it'd be like that, or it'd be uh, like an HBO ten episode miniseries yeah. sort of, and thing. it would have been way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the first ten episodes are the kids, you know, the next ten are the adults, or, or something. Like five some, and some five, five or five. Like, like they could pace it out like Roanoke, uh, if we're going American Horror Story, where it's like the first seven <laughs> episodes are just one thing, and the last three are totally different things. Yeah. Roanoke is the most unsung season of that show. It's so fucking good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to kind of bring up something that's interesting that's lost when you're watching this on streaming, and it's the multi-part nature of it. Uh, as a kid in high school, I remember the ending of. Tape one, VHS number one, right. was the suicide of um, Stanley yeah. Uris. Yeah. And that was a, a really heavy way to end that VHS tape. Yeah. And that really sold the whole experience for me when I watched it back then. And in this, it just cuts to commercial break, sort of those commercial break pauses. And you it loses something having it all together. It's a weird format thing. Well, Chu and I have become uh, old people, apparently, over the last like six months. So... Uh, <laughs> Heck, heck, we uh, we took the break right at that suicide. It's like, yeah. well, this is where tape one used to end, so we're going to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> it's sleepy time. So we Stan still experienced went to bed the forever. break. It still worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> we get to go to bed for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just an interesting thing that streaming and having no limit to the format of watching it has changed completely for this experience. Yeah. And I think whether we wanted to or not, it has an effect on the actual content. I want to jump into Tim Curry, but... Because we mentioned the suicide, I, I feel like I need to bring this up now. Reading the book, watching the the new movie, I'm sorry if that's annoying all the audience because we keep comparing it, which was not the goal of this, but whatever, that's where we are. Um, it's hard not to. It's really hard not to with this thing because I don't want to talk about it because it's fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, that suicide is gruesome as fuck. Uh, yep. It's a guy who slits his wrist, paints on the wall just the word it with his own blood and then just lets himself die fucking brutal and you read the book and you have all these different interactions with pennywise from the house on neobolt street to actually going underground and fighting him um and all the ways he scared them and tortured them as kids and it's like yeah i could see would you rather die now or die later tortured i'm gonna choose now fuck everyone i'm out and that's essentially what stan does and it's cowardly and whatever you want to say but it's also understandable now you watch this made for tv movie Every single scene is over in about 30 seconds. When they fight him, it's literally just a slingshot to the head, and then he runs away. 
none of it's really that threatening. No, the worst that Stanley Uris gets is just his face felt up by Tim Curry. Exactly. Like, none of it's really... Uh, yes, of course it's bad. Of course it's scary. Kids were supposedly dying. The only one that we know of for sure was Georgie. They don't really talk about anybody else. I think with how minimal they had to play it for TV, because this really felt like that's what it was. It was like notes of, like, keep this as G as you can. Yeah. It really makes his suicide not mesh with the whole show. Right. And it's the moment that is the most horror film of them where the, the zooms, the facial reactions, the music, yep. all those moments play the way they're the way I imagine they wanted the rest of the movie to play with each moment. Yeah. The correct way for a horror film. Yeah. And I just think it doesn't, but it has no, it has no anchor. There's no anchor to it because yeah. the worst you got was clown hand. Yeah. The hour and a half before should have made that suicide seem reasonable. And all it did was make me think, well, that was an overreaction. Yeah. Just go shoot him with another it's, earring. Especially like <laughs> the clown. It. On to Tim Curry. I got annoyed. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, no, that uh-huh. didn't annoy me. It was Good, every I love t- that moment. It was every... <laughs> I, the, my favorite moment in this movie for him being menacing is uh, in the library when I forgot his name. When he asks if you have Prince Albert in a can, you yes. better let him out. I mean, that is funny. Ooh, that's what I keep Prince joking Prince. about. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> yes. It's so good. But no, the part when the balloons start exploding, no one else can see it. He's tweaking out yeah. and he's being berated by this uh, clown behind him. And he's trying to talk to this woman. So he's just screaming at her. Like to me, that is the most terrifying moment of the whole thing. For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so then the other parts that are supposed to be scary when his teeth get all weird actually <laughs> yeah. irritate me because it seems like the sort of thing someone does when you go to their house for trick-or-treating where they're mm-hmm. like, ooh, I'm a clown. And then he like goes down to pick up the candy, puts a thing of fake teeth in his mouth, comes up, and he's like, brah! <laughs> That's what it felt like because yeah. every time he turns away or something else to well, put the prosthetics in. I know, but they just did it. They edited it in such a way where it just felt like a trick-or-treating moment. And, and see, when we watched that back in the day, that was always kind of a delightful part, a funny part yeah. because we, you could see the seams of the production. It's like, oh, now we have to cut to his face again while he gets the prosthetics on and then yeah. Yeah. slow so pan over. his mouth like an inch of like... <gasps> It's yeah. not scary at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I still like. Uh, I think that's where the charm is, and I think a lot of the nostalgia we have is only with Tim Curry and everything they do he, with him. I mean, that's the thing is like Tim Curry. He did his best. No, he did better than that. Like he yeah. he he's why people still buy this and watch exactly. this today. Like that's the, he's so good in this. Like he he transcends the media the 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 thing entirely because yeah. even. It's not his best performance in anything, for sure. Tim Curry is amazing and has done stuff where he hasn't been shackled by the restraints of being on TV and just been able to go nuts. But he he really brings something to this character that as much as I love Bill Skarsgård and I think he is the best Pennywise possible, there's nothing, there's something about Tim Curry's Pennywise that well, I will always find entertaining. Even if Bill Skarsgård is doing a better job in the new movies and it feels more like the Pennywise from the books, I don't necessarily need that one. Yeah. I like Tim Curry in this role. And he's, I, un- and he's unsettling in a different way than what they're doing with the new movie. Yeah. And it's hard to place it because there's minimal makeup. Like, he's got clown makeup on. They're not doing a whole lot. They can't do a whole lot with him in the TV thing. But there's a menace that Tim Curry can provide that is special to him as an actor. Yeah. And it's a bit of, like, just like the way he speaks, his cadence, his uh, his mannerisms. Like, it's just all of it. And I, I think he does... He plays it a lot more goofy than Bill does. Like, Bill is, like, ready to murder 
I'd say pretty much 80% of the time. Yeah. Like, unless he's trying to lull you into some false sense of security. Whereas uh, Tim Curry's is just kind of a goofball with a knife at all times. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he does. That's why I like the moments when they didn't do the teeth thing or whatnot. Yeah. The, The library was a great moment. And the moment in the pond. Where the he pond pretends is a great to be where oh, yeah. the I don't know is he like the dead dad or something, yeah. and then he does a swamp thing moment. And, yeah, I mean that was all great. I would have liked more of that, but that does cost more money. Yeah, my favorite one I think out of the whole movie, and then obviously the Georgie scene, which is great and famous for a reason. Um, my favorite one has to be with uh oh my god, how am I forgetting his name? Mm. John Ritter in the cab. Mm. I love John Ritter in the cab, just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And then he looks out the window and he sees him on the side of the road holding a bunch of balloons, just waving. Yeah. And, and then like, there's like, oh, shit. And then he turn, like, he leans back and there's a balloon in the car with him and says, like, go home now or turn back now. And I was like. And Tim Curry even points at him. Like, yeah. he's, he's even like, I see you. And for me, watching it even again in daylight, you know, neon office. Light, or Yeah. I was still spooked a little. Yeah. Those moments to me speak more to why people were actually afraid of clowns because of this movie. Yeah, for sure. Because he does seem like a legitimate clown. Yeah. In the new movie. He's a monster. He's a monster. That's not a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's never a moment where no one's not afraid of that person. Even like when Georgie meets him in the sewer, it's to like, run, kid. <laughs> that is a Run. That, that is, is a murdering clown. <laughs> but Whereas no. when you see Tim Curry, it's like, oh, how'd that clown he get in the sewer? He might be okay for a moment. Help him it's out of true. the sewer. <laughs> very true uh boy so how do we think now this is uh, for fans of the show uh we we talk at nausea here about our need for movies to interpret books and not to remake books on screen because if Mm -hmm. i was going to see that i could just read the fucking book right uh this one i think probably since the movie lincoln has not been so slave to a book. And I got to say, I, I hate it. I, I hate watching that, like especially having just read the book six months ago. Right. Oh, it drove me nuts. The whole time, it drove me nuts. Just uh, the whole slavish nature? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't stand it. And uh, To me, I think with the pacing, it I could feel it. Yeah. Because it never <sighs> felt like they were letting themselves just... Be creative. Be creative and yeah. like truly do this movie. Like, well, because they had to hit these things because these things happened in the book. Yeah. And you do see this with a lot of other Stephen King television things. Even the, yeah. the stand. Oh, for sure. Which I have that and have there's a similar sense of like, oh, ha ha, this is that opening is really great. But the rest is all kind of goofy garbage. And they are very slavish to it. And the stand even has an abridged version that is probably the preferred one. So like there's already pacing things. Yeah. In Stephen King books in general. Love the guy. I love his writing. But pacing is a thing. That you have to work through in any Stephen King book, and to have it translated to everything about his writing, there is a very big you thing that we're like, that's fine to leave out of it. Uh, All right, so we've talked a lot of the movie, we've talked a lot of the the new movie, we've talked a lot of the book. Here's what I'll ask, because I like asking these sorts of questions as we get up to uh, the end of the episode. What would you like to see out of it, Chapter Two, releasing tomorrow? I can go first because yeah. uh, I knew I was going to ask this question. You guys didn't. I really want to see the ritual of Chud. I want to see somebody yeah. attempt to tackle this crazy mind battle of tongue biting and laughing while not laughing. And if you could bring in the turtle, that'd be awesome. And just all of it. Like it, it's just so like that cosmic nature of this was all 
out of your control and you were just pawns in a game you didn't know you were playing, but if you didn't play it right, that the whole universe was over. It's such an awesome thing and it's done so well and it's why I'm still obsessed with this book, even with you in it. Yeah, and uh, I and I agree 100% with you. I won't use that one. As, like I won't piggyback off that one, but I do like that yeah. idea, especially getting into the weird cosmic Stephen King thing that a lot of his fil- the filmmakers who try to make his stuff, don't they just ignore. Yeah. And they pick that's the thing that makes it so special is... Stephen King is so heavily influenced by Lovecraft and all that sort of crazy cosmic horror yeah. that it seeps into every bit of his work. Everything. Like Dreamcatcher might not be the best book ever, but it's a fun book. It's- I liked the movie. <laughs> no, no one else does, but I did. Yeah. I did it. That's all I have to say. I know. They, they, poop, they poop out these weird lizard things. The teeth thing. No, that's part of the book. Uh, That's all right there in the book. I know. But somehow in the book, in books like in his books, these weird things work, and it would be cool to have a film translate. No, and but again, in Dreamcatcher, not to go down that rabbit hole, it's all mind battles. And in the movie, like, what if they're just big fish-looking aliens fighting each other to the death? It's like, no, the mind battles were cool. We liked, we liked. But that's the part of the movie I enjoy when he's hiding in his library and he got the big eye at the door. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that's (laughs) the best part of the book. Yeah. If I could say what I want from the new movie, though. Yes, please. It's two. It Avoid ends, rabbit holes. It returns. <laughs> it whatever's. Uh, it's harder. I kind Ew. of really. Ew. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go real far out there, guys. I'm going to oh. go real far out there. Like past the turtle? Uh, no, I want the turtle. Oh. Because yeah. I want the turtle in there because the way you describe the turtle makes me think of Men in Black. I was like, because at the end of every movie in Men in Black, where they have this thing of like, you don't understand what the universe is. Like, first movie, we're in a freaking uh, marble. Marble. And then other movie, we're in a locker. And like, maybe this is the end of a Men in Black movie where we're just in a turtle. Well, I mean, to be fair, the turtle is dead now. Yeah. He burped again and he choked on the universe and died. (laughs) How Men in Blacky is that? Honestly. That could be put in Men in Black. No one will blink. I think it's just as fun describing this book to people. Oh my god! Yeah, as just, it is to watch this ever happen if it does. Because <laughs> when you get wait, to the turtle, wait. everyone else's eyes is like for a while they they dip. It's like okay, clown, whatever. Turtle that burps universes. What? Yeah, especially because <laughs> like this book's been out since the eighties, and people still are unaware of the turtle nature of it. It's like it's like no, that book is weird and so good, except for ew. Yeah. Uh, which we just, now we just call it you. Yeah, yeah I'm just gonna refer to it as ew from you now moment. on. Yeah, you moment. It doesn't ew. deserve anything else than that. For me, I want, I want to scale back what I want out of chapter two. And they might do it, is to really get the relationship of the adults, like really spend time with them. Because yeah. I know there's still a lot of the movie that has to happen in chapter two, because they spend a lot of time with the kids, and I think because of that foundation, I want to see how the adults have gone into that depression, how they've suffered, how coming together makes them feel like makes them alive again. Sure. Yep. And gives them that power. I want to see I want to see that character work and a lot more time spent on it necessarily than just the jump scare. I we'll see if we get that. That's kind of an up in the air thing, but I really want to focus on the characters as adults. I think given that the first cut of this movie was four and a half hours long, I think that's in there. Cool. I am very, very excited if he ever does it. Andy <laughs> has said, uh, Andy Micheletti. I can't pronounce his last name because I'm not looking at it. <laughs> Bruschetta. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has said that he is already working on a director's cut of both chapter one and chapter two as one film. Can we get that as the whole bloody affair? Like, that sounds pretty great. Can, yeah. I, can I just make one gripe? 
I know I should have threatened this earlier. We haven't gotten the quotes yet. You're there's still supposed okay. to be 30 years between the two, right? Yeah. 30? So they're supposed to be in their mid-40s or something like that, maybe? Yeah. Either, well, if they were the pre-teens, early 40s. Yeah. But since there's the other, the they're 45 or older. Sure, yeah. And Bev's still supposed to get pregnant after this? Could happen. Mm. <laughs> it shouldn't. She shouldn't. No. At the age of 45, <laughs> you should not be having a baby because that'll probably kill you. Even enough. even in modern technology, that is risky. <laughs> True. I mean, maybe that was the last gift from the turtle. <laughs> well, I hope it has some cosmic help so then they'll hopefully be okay. Right. Again, no, it wasn't. The turtle is dead. Uh, it's the last That's gift why from Pennywise. It's Pennywise is coming back. It's, uh, it's the sequel leading. God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, I think it's time for quotes. Quote, any quote, 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 quotes. I will go first because I've already said my quote like 15 times today. Um, mine comes out of that scene where he's torturing Richie and he says, do you have Prince Albert in a can? You better let him go then. <laughs> and my quote is right after that and it's just the way Tim Curry laughs and it's that, aha, aha, aha. <laughs> it kills me every time. He's on the banister too and he's he just kind of <laughs> arches his back like he's riding a bucking bronco. And it's, it's like, so- aha. <laughs> it's so good like it's just kind of creepy kind of funny but just all around perfect i just love that moment that was me clapping out of joy all right for my quote I'll, i want to do one of pennywise's lines that i like the performance of the most and it's not the it's not any of his jokes which are also really funny but it's the where he tells the kids you'll die if you try you'll die if you try and his delivery is so menacing and a moment that gives me a bit of chills every time I've watched it. Yeah, it's a he's so fucking good in this movie. It's the only reason why if I ever watch it again, I'm not totally just like, no. It's like, no, he's <laughs> he's good. If you could just watch a super cut of just his scenes. <laughs> I, I, it'd be a real short movie, but it'd be much better. Can we cut his scenes to old time, old old county road? What, what's the song? Old time, old country road? Jingle bells? No, there's a song out, a popular song called Country Road. Itsy Bitsy Spider? Are you talking about the John Denver song? No. Rainbow Connection? No. Uh, I don't have it. Whatever. My quote would be be, uh, one with Pennywise after he has duped uh, John Ritter. And he just goes, kiss me, fat boy. (laughs) And there's a level of menace and joy in that line. That is just amazing. Uh, John Ritter got to kiss Tim Curry, the lucky son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. R.I.P. John Ritter, by yeah, the way. No kidding. I, I freaking love loved you. I still love you. You're amazing. Oy. I was just talking about how Three's Company was uh, to us what uh, Friends is to young people now. To our kids, yeah. yeah. Pretty true. <laughs> Review system for this week. Uh, I think if you didn't see this one coming, <coughs> easy edit points. If you didn't <laughs> see this one coming, I would be surprised. How many and what kind of balloons? would you give this movie a bunch of yellow balloons like a good yellow a good dozen because i am not into the color yellow <laughs> and i would not buy a yellow balloon i'd buy pretty much any other color yellow is just not my thing fair enough i would give it uh i'd give it one balloon i'd be a red balloon because you know <laughs> red like tim curry's nose um but it'd be a balloon that had helium in it but the helium's gone out so like it just kind of like 
doesn't quite hit the floor. Oh, so it's like <coughs> in the movie we're doing next week. When it's similar, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, Pick the right balloon. Yeah. It'd be, a, yeah, if we're going for the movie next week, no spoilers there, Mary Poppins returns. It'd be like Colin Firth's balloon Sequel at the end it. of the movie, <laughs> where she he picks it up and it just kind of goes, Mrr. That'd be that'd be the balloon I'd give it. But you know, like that kind of like just a little too old where you touch it and you can like see your finger imprint on it? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. The cheapo material. That yeah, like the balloon that's just like, you can't even pop it anymore. It's just there. No. <laughs> yeah, you sit, you try to like jump on it and it just scoots away yep. and knocks you off on your ass. The balloon I want to review this movie with is, uh, there's a scene in the movie where the where I think Bev has left the, the, the dilapidated house as an adult yeah. and the balloon passes by her, but it has this weird bounce to it, bounce roll. Oh yeah, like like almost like they filmed it in reverse or something. Like this weird or you can little. Just see like a, a PA with a string somewhere off screen, just yanking on it. Right. So yeah. it has a very unnatural bounce to it, and I think that's my review of the movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, next week, as I just told you, we're talking Mary Poppins Returns, Mary the sequel Poppins. to it. <laughs> kind. Of, it's way too related to it. We'll talk it about that. Kind of it. Very very briefly in the beginning of next week's episode, we will mention how it's creepily related. I have a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll just do that instead of where have you been doing for Chewy next week. We'll just be like, how are these two related? Uh, but I have related? a movie to talk, trailer to talk about for my work. We'll fi- we have a whole week to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> a full seven days between now and then to yeah. really figure it out. Definitely. Um, Time is just blowing by. I'm losing track of myself. I know. I need to stop doing all those not drugs. <laughs> yeah. Then what are they? Never mind. Uh, so quick round of plugs. Uh, Venture Brothers... Be sure to check it out, Venture Bros. On Monday, we are just starting season five by now, maybe? No, we'll be starting it a week from Monday. Um, season six, you mean? Season six. We're just done with season five is what I was trying to say. Oh, gotcha. Um, and then we're going to do all this in Gargantua 2, and then we're moving into season six. Uh, and we're so close to the end of this thing, it's very sad. Uh, but it's been so much fun. Uh, and then be sure to check out... Uh, Samwise on Tuesdays. Be sure to check us out, of course, on Thursdays and Damage Boost on Fridays. And then John's show. Demon Days, actual play podcast with a focus on fiends and the friends who play them. It's our D&D actual play podcast and we're having a blast. Some serious shit has gone down in our last session and got some exciting episodes coming forward. Yeah, I got to find some uh I got to find somebody who's willing to do some extra voices for me so I don't have to keep doing all of them myself. <laughs> You've interest. been getting some uh, high marks on your uh yeah. extra voices. Just record Corin sometimes <laughs> yeah. and use that. Or get Karina after this to record a couple Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to make up words. Do them in a weird <laughs> one. <laughs> throw my voice out. Okay. So that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we didn't just stomp on all your childhood memories of this movie and if we did, rewatch it. You'll agree with well, and if we did, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> See you later, boys, always.